behind you, turn and look behind you at all those pop-up tents back there. Um, feel, free, feel free to bring those. Um, you can set them up wherever you want because we're high enough out here. If you set up in the parking lot, you might kind of stay on the sides a little bit. But uh, we're probably going to be out here for a few weeks. So let's, let's make the best of it. Amen? So, uh, hey, I'll tell you what. I enjoyed that song immensely today. We go from glory to glory. What that means is we go from mountaintop to mountaintop. What that means is we go from challenge to challenge, from situation, from crisis to potential problems. We get through those things through Jesus Christ. Come on, put your hands together and give the Lord a hand clap. We go from glory to glory. That's what that means. It means that we're getting through. Amen. As Brayden said, we're going to keep up the series on Keep the Change. Even this week, uh, people were, I got a phone call, how uh, somebody shared with me that they were out of a job, and they realized that this was one of the best times that they've had, because they said, I got to reset and recalibrate, and I saw some areas in my life that were a little off. I saw some areas in my home that was a little off. And so through this time, I was able to reset, and he was actually giving God praise that he lost his job. And he said, and you know what? I'm getting interviews and I'm going to have a better job. That's what it means from going glory to glory. And that's why we're on this series, Keep the Change. How many say that when God does something good in you, how many know that the enemy comes to steal that, to take it away, and to make it where it never happened? So what we got to do as Christians, when God gives us a mountain, or when God gives us an area, somebody yell out, keep. We need to keep that change. Say it again. We need to keep that change. So that's what it's about. So in keeping the change, I'm going to be preaching today, and I'm going to be talking about what it means to live a focused life. It's so, it's so important to live that focused life, because when we live a focused life, we begin to live a life of significance, and we get away from a life of selfishness. When we're focused, we begin to live a life of significance. Being focused, it's not just about cutting things out of your life and your schedule. It's about intentionally making time for what matters most. So focus is the key to a significant life. How many want a significant life? You don't want to live to self anymore. Focus is that key. Focus is like a laser. The stronger the focus, the more concentrated the light, the more power that the laser has. When we begin to focus our lives, everybody say focus. When we begin to focus our lives on two or three, maybe four things, then that life of significance begins to come. Here's the problem. is many of us are running around like a chicken with our head cut off. The problem is that we live unfocused lives. We're trying to do a hundred things at the same time and we're thinking that every one of those hundred things have equal value and I'm saying they don't have equal value. And what they do is it ends up where we're overloaded and unfocused in life and we're living selfishly. So the more we focus on our lives, the more we center on what really matters. Today, we're going to talk about three most important questions that we need to center on. If you want to live a focused life, then today you're going to get the tools. You're going to get the answers. You're going to get the solution to what that looks like. The first question, if you have your apps, you can go to Church on the Rock Huntley and download that app. And then you can go to Church Outside, Outdoor Church. 
and you'll have an insert on there. You actually can write in there so you can keep your notes as well. And also, if you look at the app about Tuesday, we put group notes in for if people are having small groups. Some people have said, man, I've been using those small group notes and doing a daily Bible study. So uh, take advantage of that app as well. The first question is this. What will be the center of my life? What will be the center of life? Who am I going to live for? What am I going to live for? Brothers and sisters, that's the starting point. There's so many options out there that you can center around. You can center around a career, a person, a sport, a degree, a hobby. You can center around making money. Some people center around, man, I'm just going to have fun. I'm just going to have fun. I'm going to get wealth. Who's my next date? Where am I going next? Just doing stuff. There's nothing wrong with any of those things, any of those ways, but I just want to say they make a lousy center for your life. If we're going to be focused and we're going to live a life of significance, there has to be a solid, stable, secure, and strong stability to stand on to be the center of their life. What you choose to center your life on, it has to be unchanging. Jesus said, I will never change. He doesn't change. It has to be unchanging. It has to be something that's solid. It's got to be something that can't be taken away from you. That has to be the center. And that's why wealth and money cannot be the center. The Bible says that if your wealth increases, don't make that the center of your life. It'll let you down. A couple of reasons that wealth can't be the center of your life is how many know you can lose it all instantly? There's hundreds of ways you can lose it instantly. Overnight, you can lose it all. A pandemic can hit where the stock market crashes, where you're forced home, where you're not having the income. If your life is on wealth and money, it's an unstable place. But somebody say, when I'm built upon the rock, any storm can come and I can stay rock solid. Give the Lord a hand clap today. On top of all that, why we can't build our house upon the money, on top of that is we can't take it with us anyway. The Bible says that a man's life does not consist in the abundance of things that he possesses. In other words, your net worth and your self-worth are not the same thing. Besides, you're not going to take anything out of this world with you anyway. You can't take it with you. So why do we spend our health and our wealth in trying to acquire stuff that we can't take anyway? When we become a Christian, Jesus Christ has to be the center of our life because He's the only thing that never changes. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.14, it says Christ's love has the first and the last word in everything we do. I want you to say that. Christ's word has the first and the last saying for me in my life and everything I do. My firm decision is to work from that focus center. We're to work from that focus center. Some people say that, that my life is just like a pie. I've got the work segment, the spouse segment, the son, daughter, the retirement, the financial segment. And then I'm trying to fit in church and ministry and school stuff and social life. Oh, let me make Jesus a little bit of the pie too. Let me give him a little bit. But brothers and sisters, Jesus is not a segment and a part of the pie. 
He is the pie. He is the filling. He is the core. He is the whole pie, and he wants to influence every segment of your life. He wants to influence the financial segment, the wife segment, the children segment, the goals and ambitions and the dreams and the career segment. Jesus is that center that's solid and secure that you can stand on. So the first question is, how do you know, how do you know, how do you know if God is that center of your life? I just ask you, what do you think about the most? You can tell real quick if God's the center of your life. Do you think about Him? Do you talk to Him? You can give me a check, your, somebody's checkbook or their bank account, and you can see what the center of their life is and what they value. Jesus. So the first question I want you to answer on your insert or on your phone is will you have a God-centered life or will you have a self-centered life? How many raise their hand and say, I'm going to have a God-centered life? He never changes. The second most important question I want to ask you today is what will the character of your life be? Character is this. Character is the accumulation of God's good habits that surface in you. I, uh, the other day I looked up the word education. Like our children getting an education. Education comes from a Latin word that I'm not even going to try to pronounce. But when we say we're educating our children or we're educating ourselves in following after Christ and His character. The Latin word for education is to draw something out that's already inside of you. It's to draw something out. So character is God's habits and God's person and God's character that was put in you when you were born again. Did you know that all the love and all the patience and all the joy and all the self-control and all the patience? The Bible says that those are the fruit of the Spirit. Everybody say fruit of the Spirit. Those things are the fruit of the Spirit. So when you're born again, or you ask Jesus into your heart, He takes your old nature out. Your angry nature. Your frustrating nature. Your habitual nature. Your grouchy nature. Your bitter nature. If you'll allow God to take those things out when the Holy Spirit, I'm telling you that when you ask Jesus in your heart, it's a supernatural experience. It's not just mumbling some prayer. When you ask Christ in your heart, God's Spirit literally comes out of heaven and comes into your heart. And the Bible says that you cry out, Daddy, Abba, Father, I got a new father. The Bible says that when you lie, that you're just following the father of lies, and that's the devil. But when you get Jesus in your heart, a new spirit he gives you, a new mindset he gives you, a new strength he gives you, a new person he gives you, a new character he gives you, and, and Christian character has to be pulled out. It's inside of you. It's there. Well, I'm not very joyful. It's there. It's there. Dig the dirt out of the well. Dig, get the rocks out of your well. Have some unforgiveness forgiven. Let some bitterness go. Those are dirt. Those are rocks. If you've been hurt in a relationship or hurt in a marriage, let God take those things 
out of, off of your wells to where you can get down to some fresh water. You can get down to some fresh and real joy, some fresh and real peace, some fresh and real satisfaction in living life. That's what I mean on the second most important question is we have to decide what is the character of my life going to be? When we become a Christian, the Bible says that old things pass away. Behold, everything's new. The Bible says that I was crucified with Christ. How many believe that Jesus Christ was crucified? If you believe that, raise your hand. That you believe that Jesus Christ was crucified. The Bible says, well then, reckon so. If Jesus was crucified, reckon so that you were crucified with him. So when Jesus died 2,000 years ago, you died with him. And so when my past nature begins to try to lift its ugly head, I say, I'm a dead man. If lust or greed or anger or bitterness try to lift their ugly head in my life, I stomp them down and say, I've been crucified with Christ. I'm dead to that sin and I don't live any longer to that. And I allow the character... I allow, I'm educated, I learn, I'm changed by the word of the Lord. I, I'm reading the Bible, I'm learning, I'm understanding. And as I'm learning the word, do you know that the Bible, Jesus, was the word of God made flesh. And he came and dwelt with us. Jesus was the Bible. So if you say, what's the father like? What's Jesus like? What's the Bible all about? If you can follow the walk of Jesus, then he is a walking Bible. And he is Father in the flesh. God said that when you see Jesus, you see me. So if you're wondering about that. So Jesus was the Word made flesh. Well, let me tell you something that happened supernaturally. When you begin to read the Bible, if you go day after day, week after week, and you don't read the Bible, then you're never growing, and you're not answering that second question on what will the character of my life be. But when you read the Bible, the, the Bible says that the Word of God is quick and powerful. It's alive. When you read the Bible, it comes alive in your spirit. And the sword of the Spirit can lock the head of anger, can lock the head of pride. It can lock the head of hurt. It can lock the head of, of insecurity. It can, the Word becomes alive and it's real and it can cut these things out of your life and you can begin to live a new life. I'm telling you, if you are a follower of Christ, if you're trying to be a Christian, you got to let the Word work for you. If you want to have a life of satisfaction and not a self-serving life, then you've got to get your nose in the Word of God and let the Word of God change you. Somebody lift up your hands and give God a clap offering. Give God a clap offering today. Come on, I want to hear you today. I want to hear you worship the Lord today. What will the character of my life be? Here's the catch. Every time I want some new character... If I say I want to trust God and have some peace, 
It seems like the deal falls through. I'm laid off and I don't have money to pay the bills. If I want to be free from anger and I want to be kind, gentle, and understanding, what happens? My neighbor happens. Road rage happens. My spouse happens. I didn't say that. Our kids happen. We get misunderstood. People said, I want to slow down through COVID. Many people said, I want to slow down. Well, now we're starting to go back and speed up again. The minute you say, I want to be disciplined in my prayer, my eating, my motion, it always gets attacked. It always gets challenged. It always gets challenged. But brothers and sisters, the way muscle is built is through friction. And how many know we're going to go from glory to glory? We're going to keep doing the disciplines. We're going to keep coming after the Lord. And we know that character is being formed in us. So the second most important question is really going to be this. Is it going to be about you and your comfort? Or are you going to allow God to develop new character in you? Who wants to keep going on the same way? Not me. How's that getting you? How's that doing for you? But who says I want to build and let some good character surface in me? I want you to circle that. So the first one is what will be the center of your life? The second one is what will be the character of your life? My final question for you today is what will the communication of your life be? What will the communication of your life be? God puts you on this earth for a special reason. He wants to say something through you to the rest of this world. It's called your life message. Every one of us have one. Every one of us have a story. How many say have a story that I once was blind, but when Jesus came, now I can see? How many say I have a BC life, but now I have an afterlife with Christ that's different? Come on. How many say I have that? That's your message. That's your story. You don't have to know the Bible frontwards and backwards. That's your message. The Bible says that our lives, 1 Thessalonians 1.8, it says that our lives are to be echoing the Master's Word. Listen, echo. Echo. How many hear that echo? Echo. Echo. Hear it out there? It's echoing. Our life needs to be this. God so loved. God so loved. God so loved me. Our echo is, God so loved me. You. Our life. Come on, somebody say echo. Our life is to echo God's word. Our life is to echo joy, echo love, echo peace. It's so cool that it's echoing off that red barn back there. God's word says love. We're echoing it way out in the world, loving one another. That's what that means. The news of your faith in God, it's out. We don't have to say anything. You're the message. You are God's billboard. You are God's billboard. You can, there's two billboards talked about in Scripture. You can be the billboard of a Pharisee or a Sadducee. These were the religious leaders of the world. You know what? Religion stinks. I don't have religion. I have relationship. People that have re what people.
people do in the name of Jesus and what church people do and they put their bumper stickers on their cars and wear their t-shirts around and some of what comes out of people's mouth or things you read on social media are not Christ-like. And they do not echo the written word of God. They do not echo the person of Christ. And therefore, sometimes people that go to church and you think you're all that, sometimes the way you live shuts the kingdom up where people say, I don't want to be a Christian if that's what it is. That guy's the laziest low-down bum, shows up late and doesn't work hard at work. But man, he's got his Christian radio blaring. He's shutting the kingdom up to people that don't know Christ. If you're a grouchy neighbor and an old prune, and you're looking down your nose, and you're judging everybody around you, and you're not loving your neighbor, then you are shutting the kingdom of God up to people. Religious people shut the kingdom up. But people that really echo Jesus and people that really do become like Christ, man, it's attractive. And people want what you want. I don't mean this in a bragging way, but when I got born again, 30 people got born again too. Because they said, man, Brian's different. Brian's changed. Brian's happier. Brian's more joyful. Everything seems to work right for Brian. How many of you know that we walk in favor and spiritual blessings with the Lord? How many know that we have an edge in this world? And when we walk in the light as He is in the light, and we walk in the Spirit, and we walk like Christ, then we overcome it all. We have all the best blessings. We have all the best places, the best jobs, the best of the best, because God's with us. I believe that. To where people are like, huh, if going to church, going to that meeting he does once a week, and reading that Bible, maybe I better do that. So you can either shut the kingdom up to people, or you can open the kingdom up to people. How many of you want to be an opening of the kingdom to people? There's a guy in the Bible that was ran around naked. Got your attention now. He ran around naked. He lived in the tombs. It's in Mark 5 and 9. He lived in the tombs. He cut himself with bones of dead people. If people would travel down the road by this particular cemetery, this wild, crazy man would run out of the tomb and chase him down and beat him up. The town people came out wrestled him down, put some ropes on him, took him and tried to secure him in the town jail. He became possessed and overpowered by the devil to where he broke out of that, beat the people up, left town naked and crazy. Jesus pulled up to this place and went by that cemetery and this crazy, undone, rebellious sinner of all sinners, ran to attack Jesus just like he attacked the other ones. And when he got to Jesus, the Bible says he fell prostrate on the ground because the power of the Lord was on Jesus. 
And he began to worship God. And he was set free of those demons and that oppression. The Bible says that he was clothed and in a sane and a right mind. That's some big change. That's some big change. To where all the people, it kind of freaked them out. Like I'm a Methodist and when I saw stuff like that, it kind of freaked me out when I saw stuff like that happening at church. Uh, where, where people would be touched by God and stuff like that. And, uh, but, but anyway, all the people, all the people said, Jesus, go away from us. Go away. You're freaking us out. You're scaring us. So Jesus left. Listen to this. Jesus left. That crazy demonic man that ran around naked, he said, can I go with you, Jesus? And Jesus said, no, you can't come with me. I need you. Listen to me. I need you. I believe the Holy Spirit is saying, I need you if you'll listen. Jesus said, I need you to stay here and to tell people what I've done for you, that they might glorify God. Brothers and sisters, right now I feel the Holy Spirit speaking to each and every one of you. What will be the communication of your life? I hear the Holy Spirit speaking to you saying, I need you. How many hearing God say, I need you? I need you. I need your story. I need your message. Go into your job. Go into your workplace. Go into your neighborhood. Love your neighbor. Show them. Let your light shine before men that they'll see your good works and will want to glorify me. I need you. I need you. Listen, guys. Ten cities said, get away from us, Jesus. I don't want you. Jesus came back a few chapters later. And this man went to 10 cities and told his story. And when Jesus came back, thousands of people were, came to Christ. You're the key to your city. What will your communication be? To me, communication, you have audio at your mouth and you have video. That's what you see. Your communication, you're going to have video communication. People are going to see and it's either going to open the kingdom or shut the kingdom. And then you also have an audio part. That's where you say your message. You might say you got a walkie, a walk, and you got a talkie. It's both. God needs both of these things. So number three question as we close today. Number three question is, will you use your life to promote yourself? Or will you use your life to promote Jesus Christ to be Savior to other people in this world? What's it going to be? Make that decision today. Are you going to win your world? Are you going to share Christ? I'm challenging you. If you want a life of satisfaction and not self-centeredness, then three things. You're going to have a life centered around Christ. You're going to have a life that possesses the character of Christ and then the third most important question is you're going to have a life that communicates the message of Christ right where you're sitting right now I want you to get that in your heart and I want you to answer those three questions will Jesus be the sinner if he's not sinner if you're off center we're going to have a place at the end of this service in a few minutes where I'm going to pray with you that you can get back centered 
back-centered. Question two, closing your eyes right where you're at. What would the character of your life be? Is the Holy Spirit speaking to you some things in your character that's not pleasing to Him? Maybe some of your character with your wife or your husband. Maybe some of the character with your friends. Maybe some of the character you're having with your children. Allow the Holy Spirit. I challenge you to get in Galatians 5 and study the fruit of the Spirit. What that is. And to have that fruit in your life. Amen. I have a challenge for you today. Cornelius, are you here today? Yeah. Cornelius over there. We had an incredible prayer meeting Wednesday night. And Denise and Cornelius shared and they prayed. But Cornelius said something that shook me. He said something. He said something that shook me. He says, God's called us to have love and compassion for our neighbor. And then he said, Who's your neighbor? And I'm sitting here, a 33 year old pastor, and I'm like, Man, who's my neighbor? Who's my neighbor? I mean, Cornelius had me. I want to start loving the world. Church isn't something we go to, church is something we are. We're the body of Christ. We represent Christ in this region. We're his body. We're his hands. We're his feet. We're his message. Okay? Cornelius challenged us to don't just come to church. Love your neighbor as yourself. And ever since he did that Wednesday, Cornelius, I've been putting action and practice to what you taught me. I've been intentionally talking to my neighbors at the RV park when I really don't want to. I'd rather just hang out with myself or Carmen. Or I'd rather do my own thing. I'm stopping and taking time to listen to people instead of thinking I'm too busy and I got too much stuff I got to do. I want to love my neighbor. I want you to think, What's your neighbor? Who's your neighbor? What can you do for your neighbor? Right now, I want you to identify your neighbor. How can you communicate to your neighbor? Does your neighbor need encouragement? What's their love language? Do they need affirmation? Do they need a gift? Do they need help with a bill? Do they need some food? Do they need me to babysit their children? Do I need to... I saw something where people are bowing you up 50 yards for free. What is that? How can we church? Don't leave today. And just do our church thing. And then go home. And not be the church. We can't do that anymore. We've got to love our neighbors. We've got to compel people to come to Christ. Anybody out there say amen. If you want a life of satisfaction and not self-centeredness. What will the communication of your life be? Some of us are hiding our light. We're hiding our message through the week. I really felt that challenge. This week I was watching a movie called Hack something, Hack Ridge. What's the name of that movie? Huh? Hacksaw Ridge. How many seen Hacksaw Ridge? 
If you've seen it, raise your hand. That's where that guy went to war and he refused to carry a weapon. Desmond Doss. Desmond Doss is credited with saving 75 soldiers during one of the bloodiest battles of World War II in the Pacific. And he did it without carrying a weapon. The battle at Hacksaw Ridge on the island of Okinawa. Everybody left. But in that movie, he kept saying this. God, just give me strength to go get one more. And then he'd go out and battle. And he'd get one more who didn't have their legs or something. They were dying on the battlefield. And he'd say, God, just give me the strength to go get one more. I'm asking, is there somebody here that'll say, God, just give me a, the strength to go out on the battlefield called life and help me get one for Jesus. Help me get one more. And then he'd come and he'd let him down the mountain and his hands would be bloody as he's holding the rope and dropping the guy down. Exhausted and dehydrated. He would say, God, give me the strength to go get one more. Father God, give me the strength to get one for Jesus this week. Let me get somebody at my RV park. Let me get somebody at the gym. Let me get one for Jesus. Oh God, let me get one. Let my light shine. Come on, say, build my character. Build my character. Let me care about what you care about. In Jesus' name, amen. Before we close today, every head bowed and eyes closed. Nobody looking around, please. I know it's hard when you can see, but nobody looking around. I need you to lift it real high, but if you say, Pastor Brian, Jesus is not my Lord and Savior. I usually don't come to church, but I want to accept Christ and I want to accept the message you preach today. Would you raise your hand real high? I'm going to pray with you. I'm going to start looking on my left over here. Would you raise your hand? I see that hand. Anybody else? I'm coming across. Just raise your hand real high. We've already had one raise. Anybody else? Just raise your hand real high and say, I want it to put Christ as the center of my life. Nobody prays alone here. Church on the Rock, everybody stand up today. I know you're hot. Let's stand up today. Nobody prays alone. Let's pray with that one that said it. Lord Jesus, say it loud. Lord Jesus, we come to you today. We are off center. And we want to get on center. Jesus, be Lord of my life today. Forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart. And I place you in the main spot, the main position of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Give the Lord a hand clap.